And I remember how fascinating that was and how invigorating. It was like, it was an adrenaline rush. People pay money, even if they don't have to. And my, my work is good enough and, and you can create money, you can make money online. Hey, Feasters. Welcome to episode two of season six of Live in the Feast. I'm Jason, aka Rez, helping you grow your business by having a conversation with someone who's been there, had success, and built a business designed around the life they want to live. That's Live in the Feast. Today's co-host is Tom Morcus. Tom is an author, consultant, coach, publisher, and self-reliant man. He's written several books, including The Complete Guide to Pay What You Want Pricing. He's worked with successful entrepreneurs such as Dan Norris, Brian Harris, Neil Patel, and companies like Teachable. He's launched authors who have landed on the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today bestseller lists, and has had more than a dozen product launches that have generated over $100,000 in sales in their first 30 days. Because people are inherently generous and want to reciprocate, they will pay money when they don't have to. In this episode, we dive into how to take calculated risks with your pricing. When you allow someone else to pay what they want, it frees your mind up to get your project and your ideas into the world. Tom also shares the best way to get started with pay what you want pricing, as well as other places this can work for you and how to align it properly. And he shares his actual results of this strategy for him. I know you'll enjoy this conversation that I had with Tom, so let's dive in. Hey, Feasters. Welcome to another episode of Live in the Feast. Today, I'm super excited to be bringing to you Tom Morcus. Welcome, Tom. Hey, thanks for having me, Jason. Yeah, thanks for being here. First off, I have to say thank you very much for your service. I did not know that you were in the military until I, I think it was maybe a couple of years ago. Like, And I had to go back when I first encountered you. Uh, it was back. In, I looked in my Gmail. Yeah. I was like, where's this name come from? And it kept always popping up. And I went back. It's 2015 when you were working with Dan Norris. So, yep. yeah, first of all, thank you for your service. I do appreciate that. And uh, thank you. I have a lot of military friends and they're way too humble. And I it's something that I totally admire in you and your service and what you do for this country. So I appreciate that. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate that, man. So Tom, I wanted you to come on the show today because this season is all about pricing and pricing in a way where, look, as a service provider, we often default to our hourly pricing right off the bat. I mean, it's the easiest thing because it's an easy number to figure out and it's just time and materials and boom. But as we progress, we start doing value-based and we start to maybe even play in the productized service space and all that other thing. So the reason why I wanted to bring you onto the show is because, well, you wrote a couple of books about pricing and a unique strategy of pricing, which is a name your own price. And I've always been, I've always wanted to have the guts to do something like that with some of my services. And I still have like, I could probably do that with this, right? Um, 
But I, I wanted you to come onto the show and, and share with some of us here some things that you've encountered over the years. Um, you know, you've worked with a lot of different people, a lot of different businesses, and your services in and of itself. I mean, you have obviously have some pricing to that. But before we dive into all of that, why don't you share with the audience of them that don't know who you are a little bit about who you are and why you do what you do? Yeah. So the, the abridged version, but yeah, you mentioned the military. So yeah, I was in, in the army. That was kind of my profession my whole life into adulthood. And so I went to West Point, spent a little over five years active duty as a commission officer, you know, did a deployment, uh, was a company commander of a headquarters company, uh, an airborne unit toward the end. And about that last year, and I was like, it was kind of the, the do or die moment. Um, after those five years, it was like, where do I go from here? The career trajectory for me, um, I was kind of in the special forces area. I wasn't tabbed the distinction that's important for military to make, but I was in the, in the SOCOM kind of in the, the support element. And so I was like, well, I could go special forces if I want to, you know, try out for that and compete. That was on the docket, but I always wanted to kind of pursue creative things. I really did like, and so creative things, business things. And, and, and literally that's how I thought it was like in, things. Cause I was like, I don't know what these things are, but I want to do them. I, and I was mm -hmm. like, I want to do something creative. And I love the idea of starting my own business. Like the idea of being able to produce money out of nothing or create more value where less or none existed before to be able to provide for myself. It was like, uh, what is it? Um, is it Emerson or Thoreau or, or like the, the self-reliant self-reliance, whoever wrote that it's like that, you know, the self-reliant man, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. I want to be self-reliant, but part of that means, can I earn an income? And that's the day and age. That's kind of one of the ways you have to kind of be self-sufficient. It's not just like uh, on the practical food and, you know, hunting gathering side, but on the money side, can I make money doing work that I enjoy doing on the creative or business or entrepreneurial side? Well, I've always been uh, attracted to writing and to books and I've always been a big writer. I'm just, I don't think I'm a great writer, but I've always liked writing and I've always wanted to do that and been enthralled by it. So it's, all these things kind of just like confluence of events ended up kind of, you know, leading me to where I am today. So I got out of the army 2013 flash, you know, five, six years later, um, I have a publishing company. So we publish a, you know, a handful of authors every year. It's kind of a boutique thing, but I do, I do it cause I enjoy it. It's not something I try to ramp up. People ask me all the time, like, ah, I only work with people I know. <laughs> it's like, it's a weird business structure, but it works for me. So I do that. I've done consulting advisory on the, on lots of all sorts of launches. I've collaborated on a bunch of stuff. So I've gotten to work with some really smart individuals and be kind of like inside and behind the scenes of helping them run these campaigns or start these businesses and things like that. And, and it's led me down a bunch of different rabbit holes. So now I have a couple different online businesses. I have the publishing company. We do have a discount deal site. I do a bunch of other stuff online. I do, uh, I do some coaching and consulting advisory type stuff because I was heavy on the implementation side in the last couple of years. And that's something I kind of weaned myself off of because it couldn't scale and I didn't want to grow an agency. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure many listeners, maybe I've been there or thought, and it's like, I realized that a little too late into the game, but, but it was a little bit of a shift to change directions from that because like the business was kind of built around that. I was like, you know, I don't want, I really don't want to be um, implementing all this stuff the rest of my life. I was like, surely there's other, other ways I can add value in different ways. That's just better. And what I found was I went from, you know, multiple employees to getting rid of all my employees. I'm basically a solopreneur now, which is a wild thought. Um, and I use contractors for a lot of the stuff I do, but my life is just very, I'm, I just feel very blessed, honestly. It's a weird mm -hmm. way to say it. I know this is when, where it wasn't where you were going with this, but I feel like I've organized my life in a way where I'm like, wow, things are really good. I'm really fortunate. I took a lot of risks. They were calculated risks, but I took a lot of them and they, they paid off in the long run. I had a lot of failures. I've screwed up a lot of things, you know, me messed up, made mistakes, but I just kind of kept going. 
I always try to limit my downside. I've always tried to make my upside unlimited and slogging it out, man. It wasn't like an overnight success. I still Mm -hmm. am not where I want to be like professionally, creatively, uh, creatively, uh, you know, even just in life and family and stuff like that. There's still a lot I want to get to, but now just where I'm at, it's like, yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. I've done We've done a lot of work online and now I continue to, uh, to work with tons and tons of people who are authors, bloggers, content creators, YouTubers, uh, people with eBooks, e-courses, software services. And part of what I do in some of these businesses, I'm either publishing them or in the discount deal site, I'm working with them to get them new traffic, lead sales for their products and stuff like that. I'm kind of, I'm a little bit of a middleman in this space. I kind of get the creator side of it because I realize I'm not a great writer, but I love good writers, you know? And, and, and so it's like, but I can help I know how to figure out the marketing side of it. I know how to get an idea in front of people. I know how to to communicate and coordinate promotions and marketing campaigns and things like that. It it just, it turned out there's like, I built up this like set of skills and I had this predisposition to be kind of naturally good at it and all the stars align. And so that's kind of what I do. And I know we'll talk about pricing. Pricing was kind of how I, uh, that long story, uh, pricing, the, the, one of the first major things I did was write a book on pricing, which is pay what you want pricing. And I did that because I was curious about the pricing. I was scared to price my own stuff. So I did it because I was actually afraid of just putting a price on anything my, myself. Wow. And I approached it like a, like a student might approach maybe like a thesis or, a, or what do you call that? Like a, the, the, the big final like dissertation. dissertation. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And it's like, I just approached it like that. Like a student, I'm like, I'm going to research this. I'm going to interview a lot of people. I'm going to try to put, make heads or tails of this. And I'm going to implement it at the same time I'm doing it so I can learn the fastest way possible. So like that was, that was like kind of the, I don't know that was actually a really kind of critical thing because you could have at the time, if you had asked me about it, nobody really cared about this pricing technique at all. But there was like, but you could see the conversations people were having around it when it would get brought up. And that was mm-hmm. to me was an indicator that maybe there's something here and Hey, nobody else has written the book on it. So I might as well. And anyway, you could see how that kind of ties into the publishing and to everything else I do too. Just kind of this interest in learning and improving things and doing things better. And also being willing to just like take risks on crazy things like pay what you want pricing because it can work. Yeah. And it could fail though. Right. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. that's the other totally. thing, right? Like you could have spent that, all that time to make that book and then people will just keep paying zero. Well, basically, you know, in a lot of ways, it kind of was a disaster in that regard, because like I, 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 I uh, published that right after I got out of the army. So I gave up my paycheck, right. I was captain in the army. I was getting paid pretty well. And I gave that up to go to $0 per month because I hadn't actually built a lot of people are like, Oh, you should, you should, build a runway. You should get your stuff started. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I agree with all that advice. It's not, it's not for me. I'm the mm-hmm. kind of guy I'm like, I'm going to jump into it and figure it out. And so that's painful. I don't recommend it, but it was like, I did that and I published that book. It was the first thing I published right when I got out of the army. Cause I've been writing and publishing other things while I was still in the army that last year or two. And this is like the first thing I was like, this is a critical juncture. I'm going to launch this thing. This is going to set me up for for the next year, year or two. And I, I think we did like a thousand dollars in sales on the book. And wow. I was like, Oh man, I just spent like 12 months on this thing for a thousand dollars in the first month. I was like, okay, well, it's uh, time to either throw in the towel or I'll give it one more go, see what happens. So like I doubled down on all these things that you don't think about doing until you've been there, done right. that, and you realize how important they are. It's like, yep, I actually have to do all the hard work of getting this in the hands of people. I have to do the hard work of creating content around it, blogging about it, getting on podcasts about it. But once I started doing it and putting that out there, it's crazy how many doors actually opened up for me. And I got invites then to tons of things. So it was like, I just had to do the little bit of effort and there was something there that was like captivating for people. It was an interesting enough subject where just tons of doors opened up once I actually started marketing it. And now it's great because it's this really cool passive 
lead gen money maker for me, this one little book. And it's like, wow, I would have killed just for that. Like a, a few years ago, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, this mm-hmm. is just one of those things. It actually is kind of meaningless in terms of like revenue to me. But at the time, like, yeah, I would have killed for what I have today. Major takeaway right now, if people could write this down, it's okay if it takes some time. And the first launch, I, t- I teach launches and, and how to do these things. And it's like, I never want a launch to be a failure, but hey, sometimes things happen. They don't go as planned. Don't bank everything on one, a one-time event. It's like, know that that's just it. It's just the kickstart. Get it out there. And then you, there are things you can do to grow uh, traffic, attention, you know, get people's attention, get in front of people, increase your reach, that all these things can then add to the bottom line, help you grow your profit. So sorry not to, to go down another rabbit hole there, but <laughs> no, no, I, th- I think that's great because I mean, that's what I t- tell people a lot. People are always like, how do I get clients? How do I, you know, is this going to get me clients quick? And like, I'm like, you have to put the, the work into it. There's no silver bullet. There's no one time you can't plan for virality. You can't do any of those things. You have to put the work in and then there's a snowball effect that happens afterwards. And I've, I've run my own business now for close to a decade. And there are, like you were saying, you reflect back on certain points and you're like, yeah, I didn't actually think about that then, but I do see how all of those dots connected and how I got to here, right? And it's always refreshing to hear people that, I mean, and you've worked with folks like Dan Norris and Neil Patel and, and all these other great marketers, right? Um, and you've been behind the scenes of those people. So you got on those people's radars and just to be able to, you know, have something, like you said, something that was interesting enough that put yourself on those radars and you did what you needed to do to get there. Well, that connected the dots for you and your career. And now you, like you said, you said you're blessed and that's where you want to be. And I think myself included, that's what I strive to do. I try to build my business around the life that I want to live and not the other way around. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm building that foundation. I definitely want to pick your brain a little bit more about how you shifted from implementation to consultancy because I'm doing that now. But yeah, I mean, to back that up to the pricing though, like when you started that name your own price thing and you saw the indications of, hey, look, this idea, because it wasn't really being done at this point, but this idea of this thing, uh, could have some legs. How did you know who to get this in front of to then say, Hey, this is going to be interesting for me, you know, maybe in the, in the long run, if I connect with these other people. That is a great question. And it's actually something that's like, I, I wonder how methodical I was at the outset. Um, or if I'm just rationalizing how methodical I was now kind of look back 2020 on it. If I remember correctly, my idea around it was like, well, I want to keep writing and publishing. Um, I had written some other books and I'd done a lot of blog posts, uh, blog posts on topics kind of around, around the, the, the premise was I actually just, I riffed on what, um, Stephen Pressfield was talking about in the war of art. Cause I was like, well, I'm in the military and I love art and writing and creativity and drawing all these things, drawing, writing, you know, I've written screenplays I've did, you know, I paint, I draw, I'm a big, hmm. I'm an artist kind of guy. I'm, I'm not necessarily good at it, but I love it. And I love that stuff. So I, I was like, Oh, he talks about the, in the war of art, like this creative struggle that we all have. I was like, that's great. But he does, it's only one book. There needs to be more of this. So I was like, well, I'm going to riff on that. That's gonna be the premise of this blog. So I was like writing and publishing a lot of these kind of things, like this war of art esque, if you will. But of course, it's like, I'm putting these things out there. I don't know where they're going to go. I was like, these are just ideas I've been wanting to share for a long time. I was so scared to publish this stuff publicly, by the way. 
Um, and it's so absurd now looking back on it, but it's like, I didn't, I didn't want people to think I was a fool or, you know, uh, Oh, look at this guy. You know, it's like being in a mm-hmm. very masculine environment, the military. It's like, I could just imagine somebody making fun of me for this blog that I published, you know, it's all these like inside my own head kind of things. So I actually started a blog that was kind of with no name on it. It was a, uh, I think it was a blog spot or something like that. I published all this stuff publicly, but privately, like I was putting it online, but I wasn't sharing with anyone. I had to do that for like 10 or so blog posts before I finally like started my own website and started putting my name behind it just to get used to that idea. So I bring that up because you, you don't always know where these things are going to go. Uh, sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it's just to be iterative. I looked at this and I said, I was actually, I was like, I'm writing. I'd like to make money from my writing. And so I, I'm writing books. I'd like to sell, make money then from selling books. I don't really like Amazon. I don't necessarily like the concept of playing the Amazon game at the time. And I still don't, even though I'm a publisher and we publish books on Amazon, I don't like Amazon's game. And so for me personally, I was like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be just pumping out books on Amazon or play. That's not the game I want. I decided to play a different game. I was like, you know, I'm going to, the thing I'm going to play, the game I'm going to play is where's something I'm interested in learning. Where can I try to figure it out? Where can I share my learning on the fly as I go? And with pay what you want pricing, it was like, so where I was at was like, I'd like to make money from my writing and, and make more work money from the work I do online. I was kind of nervous to price my things anyway. And at the beginning I was like, you know, the worst thing that could happen to me right now is I publish a book. I put it out there for 10 bucks and I get like 10 sales because, or if I put it out there, I put it out there for three bucks and I get like 20 sales. Like that, I thought to myself, like the worst thing that possibly happened isn't zero sales. It's like enough sales mm-hmm. to just be like, some people have pity on me and then it just dries up. And so I was like, I can't do that. I can't, I, my emotionally, I couldn't take that. Like I had to be able to do this in a way I was like, well, pay what you want pricing. I'd heard an interview. I think it was on Pat Flynn's podcast and it was with uh, the Venary brothers. Um, mm-hmm. and they were doing the hybrid athlete at the time. And now they're doing something different, I think, um, in Pittsburgh, but they were like fitness guys. And so they had started, this, they had a gym, started this online training platform, but they were used to, they were selling their training stuff. their like e-courses, their, uh, that, that kind of stuff online is pay what you want. And I think the number they, they share with Pat was something like over 200 bucks a day. They were making pay what you want. I was like, okay, that's a six figure revenue stream from letting people choose their own price. There's something here because they're selling mm-hmm. education. They they were also selling physical goods, but they'd have a minimum price on those. It was like, uh, you know, I don't know, like weights and stuff like that. I was like, okay, there's something here. So I just, I just went down that route. I, I put out, I was like, Hey, I put out an offer for consulting. I was like, you guys, you, you pay what you want. This is what, this is a range that I think might be fair or something like that, but you guys can choose what you want to pay. So I offer pay what you want consulting, pay what you want advisory. Um, I did a little pay what you want implementation here and there just to test these things out. I then started selling eBooks, uh, my eBooks as, as pay what you want. Just you guys pick the price. And so when I took that approach, it was like, why did I choose pay what you want pricing? It's because I had heard somebody doing it and I thought it was interesting. I was like, well, nobody else has really written a resource on this. I want to get into the writing game anyway, a publishing game. Mm-hmm. This actually seems pretty fascinating to me. I'd like to use this. It was all these, all these things, right? And I just put them together. I wrote the book on it and I need to do an update version of it, but it's still kind of the only thing that's out there. There's no one else really talking about pay what you want pricing. What's so cool though, is by doing that, Think about that. How many people are talking about that? Almost nobody. If you're talking about pricing, how many people are talking about pay what you want pricing? Almost nobody. So what's cool is it's still actually a totally legit pay what you want or a pricing structure and, and strategy. And you'll actually see big name companies using it. Humble Bundle is one of my favorite examples. Uh, not to go into crazy detail about them, but Humble Bundle, if you're a video gamer, you probably already know who they are. But uh, 
gosh, they, they're maybe a decade old now, but they would, mm-hmm. they, the way they started was video, here's a bunch of video games, pay your own price and you can get access to them. And then they did it uh, with tiers and incentives. So a lot of the things that I learned, I modeled what they were doing. I've, I've learned from a bunch of other sources, started implementing these things. And I realized, wow, there's a lot of case, case studies where pay what you want is successful, where people are doing this over time span, like over time it's working. And I was like, and look at this for an immediate short win kind of strategy. It works actually really well. It's a great way to just, so if you're like, oh, I'm thinking about using this, do it as a one-time event, put something of yours out there, Jason. Like maybe it's a book, maybe it's consulting one time, 24 hours, whatever you guys can pay what you want. Sometimes I do that around my birthday. I'll make like everything pay what you want mm-hmm. just to have some fun with it. Those are the great ways to just test it out, see what comes of it. It can be an event. It can be fun, really engaging for people. And the reason it wins, and we can, we can break this down a little bit more, but I, so I won't go into too much depth, but the bottom line is there was elements to the pricing strategy that makes it worthwhile and that made it a win. And so it's just like this confluence of events, just putting it out there and then just kind of getting after the marketing and sharing it with people. I looked at places like, well, who's already, so I looked at pricing, immediate vertical is pricing. Anybody's already talking about pricing, right? So I can right. slip in and say, Hey, here's pay what you want pricing. You may, you've maybe touched on it, but here, here are some companies that are using this in fascinating ways that you might not know about. I could look at entrepreneurship, online business, marketing. I could talk about pay what you want pricing in every single one of those contexts. I could talk about it from a list building perspective. I thought, I think pay what you want is fantastic to grow your list. Instead of just having a free lead magnet, make the book pay what you want. People can, and people can pay $0 way better than just having a free lead magnet. As far as I'm concerned, um, mm. you know, things like that. So I, I basically just took the idea. I was like, where else can this be used? And I only scratched the surface and I got really far with it. But if I wanted to, I could have zoomed in on specific industries. I could have zoomed into yoga or health and ways that you could use it in that space. Like how yoga studios can use pay what you want once a month or once a week to increase registrations. I could have gone down all those different rabbit holes if I wanted to aggressively. I kind of barely scratched the surface on those. I, I found I had no, I was in no need for additional coverage just from targeting pricing, business, marketers. It was like after that, I was like tons, tons of people inquiring and asking about it and wanting to work with me. And then obviously one thing led to another from there. Before we dive into the two surprising things that Tom got from this strategy, as well as him breaking down his actual results from this, I would like to pause and highlight something Tom said here. What Tom is sharing with us today illustrates how hard pricing is. He says how nervous he was about how to put a price on his work. Tom also mentions that he has, he really had no idea that anyone would pay anything for his work and this was a genuine fear he had. Pricing is connected to so many things in and around your business that most developers and designers selling services just decide to look at the hourly rate of someone else and pick a number either higher or lower based around their comfort level and skill level compared to that other provider. It may not come as a surprise to you that it really doesn't matter what you or I think about our own pricing. It's the client's thought. It's the client's value. It's the client's perspective on our price that ultimately matters. Inside Feast, there are several lessons and worksheets focused on how to build your service for your clients and how to figure out what it's worth to them so that you can put a price on it. This allows you to make your price a no-brainer to the client. It also reframes the mind of your client away from comparing you to other providers. 
Feast is the community and resource hub for developers and designers ready to get off the project searching hamster wheel and actually run the business they set out to build. Feast helps position you in the market with what you do, who you help, and helps you build the processes and systems for client management, sales, marketing, and delivery. Your business isn't the same as everyone else. I get that. What you get when you are a member of Feast is personalized guidance from myself. It is essential for me to meet you where you are and make sure that you're getting the exact tools so that you don't get lost in the shuffle. The moment you sign up, you'll get a link to chat with me so I can create a custom syllabus to meet you where you are. With over 70 videos, lessons, resources, monthly community calls, and a Slack community, I can get you what you want right away. If you're serious about not competing on price and having clients that respect you and your expertise, then I'd love to see you on the inside of Feast. Head over to feastcourse.com today. And if you use the code pay what you want at checkout, you'll receive the first month of Feast for just $20. Now, let's dive back into what surprised Tom the most about this strategy. And then I ask him the hard hitting question of his actual results. So what surprised you the most about when you when you did it and got results from it? What was what was the biggest surprise? Two big surprises for me personally. One was that people will pay money even though they don't have to. So the stuff I rolled out initially at I think is zero dollars. So zero plus. And so when the opportunity, when you can, when you could pay nothing for something, will you pay money for it? And there was a light bulb. It's like, wow, look at that. A good percentage of people will pay more or will pay for something that is free or that, that could, they could get for free. They could take for free. It's not technically free. It's a different thing. And they get it. The people who pay get that. They're like, okay, this is a gesture of goodwill. There's a, there's a reciprocation element here. So the people who contribute are like, good job, Tom. Basically, it's like the pat on the back. It's like Patreon is a huge platform now. Mm -hmm. Tons of people are just getting supported through Patreon. It's like, thanks. And even if they're not even getting anything from it, it's like, hey, here's a tip. Thank you. That's how I did it. It was like a tip jar. There's no incentives right. or anything like that with, with the original book I did it. But obviously to incentivize and get more get people to spend more money, it's great to have incentives, reason to contribute more, things like that. We can break that down. But for me, the big thing was just that one, people would actually pay money for something they did not have to. And the second thing is for me personally was people would pay for my writing. Like I said, I was really nervous about that. But when I published, uh, it was notes from Seth Godin's Revolution Conference. So I went to his right. conference. I took a bunch of notes. I asked him if I could publish it and share it. And he said, yeah, go for it. It's pretty cool of him. And so I put it out there. I was like, hey, I'm going to make this pay what you want. You guys can tip. It's free. It's zero dollars. But if you want to tip my creative work, you can. But I made about $500 in that month, first month. That was while I was in the army. I never made passive income before. I never made money online from anything. Never really sold anything. It was, was mind-blowing. It, it was amazing. I still remember that Sunday. Went out. It was Sunday fun day. Fun day with my, uh, with my girlfriend, who's now my wife at the time. We went out in Nashville. We were, you know, going honky-tonking. Like it was like a Sunday afternoon or something like that. Listen to music, getting some food. And I remember seeing these messages come in. People tip five bucks, 10 bucks, you know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks. And, and it was just the coolest thing. So I was like, that was a realization for me. These two things are really fascinating. People will pay money, even if they don't have to. And my, my work is good enough. And, and you can create money. You can make money online. You know, it's one of those weird things. Until you've yeah. done it, 
now I don't even think anything of it, but I, every now and then when I put myself back in that position, I remember how fascinating that was and how invigorating it was like, it was an adrenaline rush. And so now I do a launch. I'm like, I have no adrenaline. I'm just exhausted. Usually I'm like, whatever, (laughs) who cares if people buy or not, whatever. It's all good. Like, Oh, we did a good job. I put it out there. There's nothing else. But, but at the time I was like, I'd be like paying attention to every single, single sale that came in. So those are my two, two big realizations. For people who want to explore this, the real benefit is it lowers the barrier to entry. That's the number one big thing. So like if you're like lower, lowering the barrier to entry, if you have a price point, even a $1 price point is a barrier to entry. And that's mm-hmm. why I think people think, oh, I'll just put my book on Amazon if we're talking books and I'll price it at a dollar. It's like, oh, it should get tons of sales. It's like, no, the same friction to buy something, one click buy on Amazon for a $1 product is the same friction for a $1,000 TV or $2,000 TV on that, on that platform. The actual amount has nothing to do with it, but zero actually does lower the barrier to entry. So $1, even one cent does not really lower the barrier to entry. There's actually a difference between zero or zero plus and a cent or a dollar. I know that sounds wild, but lowering that barrier to entry is a, is a game changer. And then the other things that it does, I think there's, there's an element of reciprocity and generosity. I think it promotes sharing. It makes it way easier to share things when you have something that you're giving away for free or people can pay whatever they want. Man, we get so much sharing from those kind of things. Mm. So it's all this like, like the viral component of it. These benefits that people don't realize, but these are the, I think the underlying things that really make a big difference if you're going to use this pricing strategy. Yeah. I mean, it's making me think a little bit about some of the lead magnets that I have from my services side of the business. And, you know, I often use the idea of a downsell. So more of like, I've had the conversation, whether it's not a good fit for whatever reason, budgetary timeline, maybe it's just not what I do, whatever it could be. then I say, Hey, look, I have this 50 or a hundred dollar product. That's an electronic product, obviously. And you could buy it if this is helpful for you. That would almost, I'm almost thinking now I should flip that and put that in the front. And this might be one of those things where I play with like around my birthday, like you suggested it, put that in the front, name your own price. And that I can use alongside what I use for my road mapping sessions, which are more of like a dating period kind of thing where it's like, hey, we're going to work together on this thing. It's the set price, the set deliverable, it's the set timeline. And if you like what comes out at the end of it, we can continue on. And this is how we continue on. And I like that name your own price because you tell me. When you threw the book out there or anything you throw out there with the name of your own price, you have a price in mind, right? Like, so, you know, like individually, it should be this X dollars. How many times did people pay that or more? Yeah. So the way the the numbers typically break down over time, and obviously there's probably a lot of variables, but for my books and a lot of things that I've, for books and digital products like e-courses and things like that, what I found was that something like usually about 70% will pay the minimum or nothing or the lowest amount. About 30% will pay something. And what you'll find is of the people who pay something or, 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 the, or no, let's say of the total. So hundred people buy, buy your pay what you want thing. 70, just take it for free or pay the minimum amount. 30% spend a dollar or more, we'll say. Well, about 5%, I've noticed two to 5% are like maybe what you might call whales or something like that. People who are going to contribute way more than the average. And that makes up for a lot of people who take it for free. Mm. That's been my, my experience time and time again. You'll always get maybe one, maybe it's five out of a hundred. Maybe it's one out of 20 or one out of 30. But somebody who gets what you're doing, they see it and they contribute way more than they, which is a very generous offer. So with eBooks, it's something I'll get contributions for 50, 200 bucks every now and then. Again, maybe one out of like 30 or 50 contributions will be something like that over 50 bucks, which is way more than I would have expected for an eBook, obviously, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, with the 30%, I usually find that they're give or take around what I would have priced it at if I had a retail price. Like if I was selling that book on Amazon and people would spend maybe four or five bucks on it or something like that. And that's usually what we see with those, those other people. But where it averages out, if you look at the averages, my average, if you're just looking at the people who actually spend money, pay a dollar or more on these things, what I find is that the average is actually higher than I would have gotten if I was on Amazon. And that's the truth. People actually don't buy eBooks at like, or very rarely at like the nine, uh, 10, nine, eight, $7 price range, six, six, so usually $5 or like four ninety nine and below. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, like the fact is, I think on some of these books, the last time I did the average, it's been a while, but I think it was something like, oh, I, I think I make like seven or eight bucks per book of the people who contribute. Okay, so that's only 30% of them. If I averaged out the whole, all the people who've opted it, who I've gotten as a subscriber because they took it for free initially, that would lower the overall average, obviously, probably to something maybe in the $1 or $2 range or something like that. For me, I look at that, I'm like, okay, but that's okay. They're on my email list now. Guess what? Mm-hmm. I, I think the one thing I haven't done is really gone through critically and it's just too hard to do, I think. But how many people took something of mine for free through pay what you want, ended up paying me for something? But it's happened more than enough where I know it happens. I don't have the hard statistics on it, but that's it. So it's like, I can't think of a better lead gen. And then also, oh, by the way, I can make some money on the front end. Fantastic. Oh, by the way, I'm positioning myself as somebody who's actually giving more away than just taking, or I'm not like, oh, here's my lead magnet. Please sign up. It's like, it's kind of, I don't know. It's like lead magnets are good. Good lead magnets are good. But it's like, at the end of the day, it's like a free, it's like everybody gets it. Like everybody gets the joke. And it's like, nobody wants to put their email address into something. But these days when it's like, oh, this is a $7 or $10 ebook, you can get it for $0 or more. So you can spend nothing, get it. You can spend a dollar, 50 cents. You can spend 20, 50, 100 bucks, cover a steak dinner for me. That'd be nice. Whatever you decide. So the point is that's a, the, a from a positioning standpoint, positioning play, uh, it's way better than the free lead magnet. Yeah. It's way better than, oh, here's a book and I'm making it free. It's like, no, no, no. Pay what you want is actually different than free. And I know sometimes I use, will sometimes use that, that interchangeably when I'm talking, just, I hope that's clear. Mm-hmm. If I use that, uh, it, it is a different thing. It's not free. It's, it has a price point. You're just reducing the barrier to entry to zero or whatever that minimum amount is so more people can get access to it. The positioning, the framing of that is way different. And it's actually, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an authority builder, credibility builder if you do it right. Yeah, because it, it, it almost shows like, I mean, you, like I've heard people say, you want a lead magnet that you would charge $100 for. Yeah, right? And then exactly. if you're saying, okay, I'm throwing this out there, pay what you want, it's showing confidence that, hey, look, I know this is good. So I'm, I'm expecting you to pay me something, but you don't have to. And I think that in and of itself is just, I don't know. I like that positioning and that thinking there because I feel like I've done that kind of pay what you want maybe a handful of times in my entire time, but it's always been in like that sidebar. Hey, you want to buy me a beer kind of thing, right? Um, Because the content that I was reading was good, right? So I give 25 or 50 bucks or whatever it is. But I like that idea of just putting it out there as hey, here's this thing. There's value here. Pay what you got out of it, right? What was the value? So this is an interesting thought too, kind of just dovetailing off, off of that idea. So like, yeah, the other thought too, I don't know if we want to go down this rabbit hole, but I've thought a lot about this in the past too. And, and are you familiar with um, Influence by Dr. Cialdini or any books that are about influence or mm-hmm. you know negotiation, uh, persuasion? Mm-hmm. So in that book, in Influence, and he talks about reciprocation, this idea, it's like when somebody gives something to you, even a flower or water, it's like you feel indebted. There's just a natural indebtedness we feel when somebody does something for us. It's 
kind of human nature. The, the truly pathological people, are they're, they're good to go. They don't feel that at all. But the rest right. of us feel something. That's like 95% of the population will say, or 90% of the population. And so the point is a lot of people will just, when you give them something, a value, even the smallest thing, they will feel indebted. And what's fascinating about the research that I think Dr. Cialdini did with Influence and some of these other books that have come out uh, and studies around this topic of reciprocation, it doesn't have to be a one-for-one like kind exchange or something like that. It's not like I give you a water bottle, you're going to give me a water bottle in the future. It's like, no, I'll give you a a bottle of water and then you'll go purchase this house from me because I'm your realtor. You know, it's these Mm -hmm. kind of things like powerful. I bring that up because when you do this, the positioning play here is you think you can take advantage of this but you have to think about how you do it. People need to be educated on pay what you want pricing. That's another critical piece here. It's not a ton of education, but like when somebody's taken to a page, it's like pay what you offer this. That's a lot of confusion. You have to kind of set the stage for it. And so you want it to be integrated. That's why I love the idea of if you're just going to test this out, you just want to see what it does. Try it on a birthday or try it on some event. Make it a pay what you want day and just see what happens. And you can make it exclusive just to a few items or to whatever. You want to be really crazy? Try it with consulting. You might be blown away. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be all sorts of things you can test it out with, but you can test it small with digital products or something like that, where your margins there. And it's like, if somebody takes it for free, whatever, no harm, no fall. But if somebody contributes, great, an experiment, it, it works. The other thing that though, to think about though, and so that, that allows you to, if you do an email blast, do some social media, it's like, Hey, it's my birthday and I'm making everything I do, uh, everything I create, pay what you want for today as a way to, to say, thank you. People kind of get it. And then they'll be like, oh, okay, I get it now. And then if they go to a sales page where they can use this stuff, maybe you explain a little bit in more depth why it's pay what you want. What's the point of it? Why are you doing this? Just a little bit. And then this ties into, you were like, well, what is the average price point you get? Well, one of the things I do to ensure that people actually contribute is I make sure it's, you have to streamline this and make it as frictionless as possible because it's so confusing and it's so, it's, it's confusing because it's rare. And so the normal the average person who's online is like, I'm going to be given a price. I'm going to click buy. Maybe there'll be some additional tax. And then that's that, that's the transaction. So the idea is saying, Hey, you can pay whatever you want for this. You can pay zero or you can pay a thousand. You know, you could treat me to a nice steak dinner or you can give me a bottle of water or nothing. Just take it and, and it's all good. That requires some level of clarification and explanation and for people to really get it. And so you do want to have, you want to have a reason you're using it. I, sometimes the reason is good enough. I'm just doing this as an experiment. I want to see what people would pay. And maybe that's enough. I think I like to do it around a, a principle of generosity. So if I'm doing it on my birthday, great, great hook, great tie in. If I do it, maybe some other event or day, I might tie it into a charitable cause as well. A percentage of all mm-hmm. these contributions will also go to charity. That's a good hack too for this. Anytime you tie in charity or something charitable, it can't be irrelevant. So there's nuance to this. You can't just say, oh, I'm just going to pick a charity and, and then it'll make money. And that's what Tom said. It has to be integrated and aligned, right? Right. Just kind of some of these obvious things. But if you integrate cha- charity into it or a nonprofit charitable type contribution into it, like a percentage of 25% of everything you contribute is going to Pencils of Promise or going to, what is it, water uh, or- Yeah, the charity water, I think it's called, right? Yeah, yeah. The charity water, yeah. Yeah, you, you know the, the usual, uh, usual, and then there's thousands and thousands of charities. I mean, the point is if you tie it into something where, especially if it's relevant, I think in the past I've done it where I've tied it into, I forget the charity it was, but it was uh, where we did, it was, it was like a nonprofit where you do micro loans where you don't get any percentage back. So you just basically give money away to, to entrepreneurs around, around the world. And it was like, and they just have to pay back the loan like they would anything, but there's no interest on it. So it's a great, gotcha. great deal. So I like did that and I'm kind of entrepreneurial focused. So like, Hey, 25% of this will go to these, these funds in here that are investing in entrepreneurs around the planet. So they don't have to pay interest on loans to get started. Great. That's a tie in. That makes sense. So you just want to think what's consistent, what's aligned with what you're doing and then use that. But, and then coming back, the last piece I was going to say, kind of going off on this tangent was the positioning is really important to think about and being able to explain it. But if you can do that, 
and you can find alignment in the charitable cause or the reason you're doing it, you'll find that people are really, can be really invigorated by this. Like it's something that people can really latch onto. It makes it easy for them to share and promote. And you're going to be less, less likely that you're going to have people just trying to take advantage of you, especially if you're just doing it, just testing it out. When you can explain what you're doing and why, when people get the joke, they contribute. And, and mm. this is the last thing I was going to say on it. Last piece, pay what you want pricing. If people get the, like they know that they can contribute anything. Why would they? Yes, you do want to articulate what, what is the value, why you're doing it. You want to give them a guiding principle. What do people like them pay or what are the range? So you might have a suggested amount. This is, this is where we reduce the friction. So with an ebook, I might say this would retail on Amazon for $5. So, but you can, you can take it for free. You can treat me to a dinner. You can give me a, a, co- a cup of coffee, whatever it might be. But mm-hmm. I give them an incentive or Humble Bundle does a great job of this, but they have a lot of data. They'll show what the average contributions are that are coming in. So they have this, some technical stuff on the back end. That's pretty cool too. But you want to have some guidance and make sure people know where to go with this. This is the, sorry, this is the last, last thing. This is, a, this is really good though. I, I was going to forget it otherwise. But if you do this, this is what's really cool. So this idea of rep- reciprocation, right? Once people start thinking about being generous too, I found this, this is like a subconscious thing. So it probably requires like a lot more due diligence. But I found there's something to this. Like once I get started, people, or I get people starting to think about generosity and being generous on what they're doing with the sharing of their content, doing this, then they get it better. Then they're more generous too. Like, so it, it kind of is a self-feeding system. So that's one of the reasons why I was talking about, make sure you explain why you're doing it. If you can tie it into your story, if you're going to do it for a long period of time though, it kind of has to become a bit of uh, somewhat of the part of the story. And it helps to just kind of come back to these lessons of generosity. Cause guess what? Then when they see your offer of being generous, they're going to be more generous. So final hack there. I know we covered a lot of territory, but hopefully that was useful. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it, it sparks some ideas in my own mind, you know, just on, how I could probably position some of my services. And as I said, I'm transitioning from more of the implementation stuff to consultancy. Um, and I could see where that would definitely play into it. Like the story, the, the idea of, you know, like you said, maybe you'd link it into a charity, uh, that kind of thing. So I have a whole lot of ideas. I'm going to have to jot these things down for sure. But yeah, I mean, I want to be mindful of your time. Um, the thing, I think the whole idea of pay what you want. I mean, I think this goes, I mean, I went to your about page and you, and you said like, you know, the fastest way to get where you want to go is really a straight line. And I've, I've, I've said variations of this, uh, a good friend of mine, the best man at my wedding, he said, look, Hey, you know, you're going to get to where you want to get to. It just may not be the path that you think. Right. And he, he always kind of said this for me, but like you elaborated a little bit more on that saying like, in fact, it usually means taking a very indirect, unconventional approach. And I like this because you're essentially telling people, Hey, here's a lead magnet, but it's not a lead magnet. This is a product. You pay what you want. And that allows you to stand out. It's con- like you said, you kind of have to have that little bit of explanation because mm. it is unconventional. It is different. People aren't used to that sort of thing. I love that. And for me, that I go against the grain a lot. And that's why this pay what you want has always been in the back of my mind a little bit. Um, and I've tried different things, especially uh, you know on the product side of things, like just Hey, I'm going to do this. You know, I, like I did a 41% off of everything that I sell on my last birthday because I was 41 years old. 
And so it's <laughs> just like those kind of like things. And people are like, why are you doing that? I said, ah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I don't know. You know, I, I run my business and this is what I do. Yeah. You get to do ex- fun experiments like that. It's like, why not? You were about to say, I think you were about to say a word that I actually was going to, I was like, yeah, that's, I didn't say it, but I think the word conditioning, I don't know if you mm-hmm. were about to say it almost felt like you were about to, but I was like, that's like actually a good word for this because there's some amount of conditioning that needs to, mm-hmm. to, to that maybe is one way to think about it. I know they could probably have a negative connotation, but the conditioning you would need for like, uh, if you're an athlete, you need to be in, you know, you had to get conditioned, you need to be trained and, and, but in the, in the intellectual space, we need to kind of condition people to think, say intellectually or about this idea of pay what you want pricing. So there is some sort of say conditioning or indoctrination that kind of has to take place. It can happen pretty quickly and in a very lean way. But if you're also trying to do this over an extended period of time, then I think, yeah, it's, it's worth, you want to kind of tie it into the story and think about how are you going to continue to explain this in the future? So it really should, I think for, for somebody to use it in perpetuity, it has to be part of the core mission. I think with Humble Bundle, they've done it for like a decade mm-hmm. now or half a decade at least. And they've always tied it to charity and it's always made sense. And I mean, I know they got a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. And so I'm not just saying, well, they did it so anybody could do it. I don't mean it that way. I'm just saying that you, th- there are great examples of people who have just tied it in and that's just part of the proposition. It's part of how that works. Anyway, if you're not ready to go that far into it, try it with an experiment. And then when you decide, oh, I'm going to make some things maybe in perpetuity, pay what you want. Think about just how you can condition or get somebody kind of mentally prepped for what's to come, which is mm-hmm. a contribution of their choice. That's surprisingly, there's a lot of people I've gotten. That's the one, one major negative feedback from it. And I don't even know how negative it is, but it's feedback. And it's, I just didn't know what to pay. <laughs> and that's, that's, and then so sometimes people won't pay because they don't know what to pay. It's like, I didn't want to not be generous. It's like, well, okay give a couple bucks or take it for free if you don't have them or, but I didn't want, but it's like, it's weird. It's sometimes mm-hmm. that'll happen. That's rare. I don't see that as a large quantity of people, but I've gotten that enough where I feel like that's a percentage. We'll find the biggest struggle in figuring out what should I pay? What does a person like me who is generous pay or what, what, who, what does a person like me pay? in a situation like this. So th- come at it from the, the end point of the user. But yeah, I think you have a ton of ways you can test this out, Jason. If you want, you could share what you're planning to do. Let me know. I'll take, take a look at it and give you some notes and kind of pointers on rolling it out. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, appreciate that. Um, so before I let you go, what's up next for the next six, 12 months? <sighs> same old, same old, which means it's always different, right? You know the drill, right. Yeah. right? It's like, uh, gosh, I have, no, I have no idea. It's like, it's, I'm like Vin Diesel, man. I live my life a quarter of a mile at a time. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> that's it, man. And so we got a lot of things, but they're like, I'm just trying to get, we're in the middle of a launch right now for one of my businesses. I've got a couple of authors we're publishing later this year. We have a lot of things going and I say we, but it's like kind of me now. So I'm kind of using that in the, the, the Royal we sense now, cause there's no more real team, but it's like all contractors and stuff like that. But yeah, we're publishing books. I'm still doing some coaching and that's kind of how, by the way, you were like, Oh, I'm kind of moving away from the implementation more to the consulting. That's been my transition over the last year and a half. And it's slow, but it's, it's worked out relatively well where I've been able to kind of replicate all the implementation income with coaching advisory type stuff. And so now that's freed up a ton more of my time too, because that is way less intensive, you know? So a lot of the freelancers who are listening to this, is like, yeah, I know how exhausting that could be. If you're not, not keen, if you don't know, if you don't think you want to be doing that forever, it's like, start right now. Think about how you could start selling things outside of implementation 
implementation. It's, it's a tough road. Mm-hmm. And it was a transition because a lot of people were coming to me for what they thought was the solution that I offered. And that's required just a lot of conversations and, and repositioning things on my site and stuff like that. So it's been a gradual process, but I'm looking at kind of just doing the same things. As I mentioned earlier, a very good life. I'm trying to maintain everything, grow it, I'm trying to help a lot of other people succeed through the coaching, through the publishing, through everything else that we do, through the campaigns we run. But yeah, just a lot of craziness. You, you know the drill. It's, it's never the same. It's always something new. Yeah. And young kids. And young kids. Uh, That's great. It's great. It's a forcing function. It's like, you got to be efficient. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I don't know. I don't know. Before my, my, my first son was born, I don't even know what I was doing. Like when he was born, it was like, you were probably editing like the same sentence, like a hundred times. And then now you're like, (laughs) I don't care that it has typed. Yeah. Just put it out there. (laughs) Let's just get it done. No, this, well, thank, thank you, Tom. This has been awesome for any of you listening out there. If you are thinking about doing this, thinking about pay what you want, let me know. Send me a tweet. Send Tom a tweet. Um, We'll put Tom's Twitter profile in below um, in the show notes. Tom, where can people reach out and say thanks? Show notes, Jason's show notes, number one, just go to the show notes. But if you're listening, you're like, okay, well, I don't know how to get to show notes right now. TomMorkes.com, T-O-M-M-O-R-K-E-S.com or you just Google it or DuckDuckGo it or whatever, but TomWorks.com, that will introduce you to the, to the underworld that is, that is my brain and, and, and to whatever depths you guys want to go. Pay what you want, pricing, publishing. I've written and published on a lot of different topics. So if you guys are curious about those, but yeah, like you said, if somebody has questions about it, just tag me on Twitter. I'm just at TMorkes, T-M-O-R-K-E-S. But tag me in something if you have questions about pay what you want, pricing or anything like this, I'm happy to, to jump in. Not always on the social media platforms, but every now and then I'll jump in and I'm happy to answer questions like that. But TomMorkus.com, go to your show notes, Jason. I'd say that's the main place to go because I'm sure you'll have a bunch yep. of stuff linked up. So Absolutely. Yep. Awesome. Great, Tom. Thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. Of course. And we might have to have you back. Anytime, man. If you want to spiral, we can spiral. You just let me know and we'll go. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again for your time. And for everyone listening, until next time, it's your time to live in the feast. If you're inspired to give pay what you want pricing a try, I know that Tom and I would love to hear about it. Ping us on Twitter and let us know. Next week, we'll be back with Chris Doe talking about how you can position yourself with your clients to show value in your work. Till then, it's your time to live in the feast. Feast.